This is Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. You are in the trenches with former Buccaneers offensive lineman Ian Beckles on Radio Influence. Hello, everybody. This is Ian Beckles, and welcome back to In the Trenches. It's Monday after the Super Bowl or the big game. Uh, I'm dragging a little bit, had some people here, hung out, and ate some wings and had some wet beverages. Uh, So I am dragging a little bit today, but it is Super Bowl Monday, a very uh, unproductive day from what they say. Um, If you're a Patriots fan, congratulations. If you're a Rams fan, I know that was somewhat painful to watch. Uh, In general, I thought the game was painful to watch. I mean, for myself, as somebody who dabbles a little bit in in gambling, uh, to have the Rams and the over, very, very painful to watch because it was, you know, three nothing. And it was just, if you you like offensive football, that wasn't the one for you. Um, You know, in general... The best team won. The most prepared team won. Um, Coach McVeigh afterwards uh, in a press conference admitted that he got grossly outcoached. He admitted it. He was like, listen, they were doing stuff we hadn't seen before. And that's what the Patriots do. The Patriots, you know... They come with wrinkles every single week. If you give them two weeks, they may come with a couple of wrinkles. And if that game goes on another two quarters, I'm not sure the Rams score. I'm really don't. I mean, the Patriots had their number. There wasn't a whole lot left out there for Goff. There was one uh, one seam uh, up the seam he missed uh, to Cooks. He was late with. Uh, but other than that, there wasn't anything else out there. You know, the... Um, the equation that I give everybody to uh, to win football games, and I said this way, way, way at the beginning of playoffs, is running the football, running attempts. And it's, it was 100% throughout the playoffs. Whoever rushes the ball more attempts, wins. And yesterday, the Patriots outrushed the uh, Rams 32-18, to 18, just attempts, you know, limiting the mistakes. And that's what it's about. Patriots didn't go out and do anything earth-shattering offensively. You know, we you got Tom Brady, who is the GOAT, done, over with. Um, he, I mean, if he'd have lost doing that, it'd have been bad. People would have been talking about how poorly he played. But he played well enough to win. 13 points, meaning scoring late. So, uh, Tom Brady, uh, his sixth. Tom Brady has played... In 17% of the Super Bowls, one player has played in 17% of the Super Bowls. That's too many. That's too much. And I'm not sure he's done because, as you saw yesterday, it's not about Tom Brady. It's about team concept. It's about not making mistakes. It's about coaching. It's about adjustments. And that's what um, the Patriots do. And that's what the Patriots have been doing for a long, long time. It's kind of weird the way the Rams went out. You know, they have Todd Gurley over there on the other sideline who has been a weapon all year. Um, And Gurley had 10 rushes for 35 yards and tack on to what he did or didn't do in New Orleans. He did nothing in the playoffs, nothing. So um, that's something they got to ponder in the offseason. You know, McVay learned a lot. Um, 
and everybody's going to make it such a big deal because you're losing the Super Bowl. I mean, you got to the Super Bowl. Congratulations. But everybody's going to want to make you know wholesale changes and all the kind of stuff like that. Just, you know, you you got beat by a more established football team. And that's it. Nothing deep is nothing deeper than that. It wasn't real deep yesterday. Um, yesterday was about coaching. Yesterday was about uh, adjustments and doing some things that the other team hasn't seen. You know, the the Patriots had four sacks yesterday. They can. The Rams barely got after Brady. Um, you know, Aaron Donald did a little bit, not a whole lot. Sue didn't do a whole lot. It was all about Edelman who I, don't, I might have predicted him getting the MVP last week. I don't remember, but I, I, I just remember saying he's going to have a great game. He does every time. 12 targets for Edelman, 10 catches, 141 yards. Uh, he's everywhere. Uh, you can't cover the dude. In the playoffs, he's uncoverable. You can't cover him. And listen, it, everybody made a big deal. Brady against Goff, I mean, it was it was deeper than that. But, you know, Brady's the oldest quarterback to win a Super Bowl. That's not going to get broken. It's not. <laughs> no way. It's, you know, the people are going to get younger. They're not going to get older. After this generation of quarterbacks kind of filters through with some of these old birds like Breeze and, um, and Manning and Rivers and, uh, uh, and obviously Brady, uh, they're, they're not going to get that old anymore. They're just not. They're just, they won't last. So he has an, he's the oldest quarterback. He has the most wins. He has the most everything. Okay, he got the most everything. Um, from what they say in the in the stands, the Patriots fans grossly outnumbered the Rams fans. They said it wasn't. It was like ten to one. I understand that you know L A is way 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 west, but you know NFL fans are everywhere. They travel everywhere. And Patriots fans are everywhere. <laughs> you know what? I I know a I know a gang of Patriots fans. I don't know not a one Rams fan, not one. And I know a lot of football fans. So the Rams fans get outnumbered. Uh, they get beat. You gotta feel good about yourself if you're a Rams fan, anyways. You made it. Uh, you thought you had a chance, and you had a chance in the dance. Hey, you do anything offensively, you make one play throughout the game, you make one special teams play. Now you're in that game. You're in that game and feeling good about yourself, but they just couldn't they couldn't do anything. They couldn't get it done. Now everybody wants to talk about the uh, halftime show and the halftime show is probably one of the more talked about uh, shows ever because of it being in Atlanta and Atlanta being a predominantly black uh, city and blah, 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 blah. Then they bring Maroon 5 in who's probably the most Caucasian band of all times. Um, I thought he was awesome. I thought Adam Levine was great. I thought the production, I thought everything was really good actually. It, so I had a room full of white people, black people, all kind of different colors. Everybody was bouncing. Everybody had a good time. So, you know, congratulations for the NFL for getting getting that done. Uh, the commercials were cool. I'm not really big into all the commercials and all that kind of crap like that. But uh, next next year's Super Bowl is in Miami, and then we're coming to Tampa. So uh, we don't have to deal with all that cold weather crap uh, going forward for for those of you that are going to go check out the, the games. Um, every week, I allow people to email me. It's ianbeckles at radioinfluence.com. And uh, we're going to be talking about a whole lot of Buccaneers talk as we go forward in the offseason because the Super Bowl is done, obviously. So the football is done, but there's still a lot of things happening you know, in in our world as far as the NFL goes. So I got an uh, email here from Pizza Lover. 
Um, here we go. If the Pats win, will Tom Brady get all the credit for being the GOAT? Because his defense honestly played out of their minds today. Yeah, uh, okay, listen, he's the GOAT, period. If he lost yesterday by 100, he'd still be the GOAT. He did win yesterday. You get the credit for winning regardless, okay? Peyton Manning won with a defense, and he could barely throw the ball eight yards. He won one. You got to give him the credit. Tom Brady scored more points than his opponent. That's it. His defense did play out of their mind, but go back and look at the other five victories or offensive victories. So he got to depend on his defense for once. Good for him. But you, you can't put an asterisk next to it because you scored more points than McBay and, and Goff. Um, and then it says, uh, I'm losing respect for Arians kissing Jackson's ass on TMZ. Ja- Jackson obviously hates our quarterback. Is he serious or just pumping up for trade value? Uh, I think it's probably a little bit of both. I think Bruce Arians would like to make it work if possible. Um, I don't think he knows if it's possible right now, but, you know, dogging out one of your uh, players before you even get to know them doesn't help anybody. So Bruce Arians is going to probably do whatever he has to do to uh, to up the stock from uh, Deshaun Jackson. You don't want to lower the stock. Is it evident that Jackson doesn't want to be here? It's pretty evident. And it's pretty evident that he doesn't like what Jameis Winston has to offer. So that puts Bruce Arians in a really tough situation. So do I, do I think Deshaun Jackson's going to be here next year or this year? Probably not. I, I don't think so. With all the money that he's being paid, and I just don't think it's a fit. And I don't think he wants to be here. You don't want to be three games into the season, and then he's acting a fool and wants to be out of here. Because you know what? Then you got to either just sit him down, and then you got nothing for him. You got to pay him, or you cut him, and then you still got to pay him. So making before you make that decision to keep him around, you better hope that he's happy enough to not, you know, make a bunch of noise. When you look at somebody like uh, Antonio Antonio Brown, he just says, "Well, I just want to be happy. I just want to win." Well, the problem is. When you're losing, if you're an asshole and you're, you're you're laying down on your teammates, that's a problem because there is a, there's a good situation or there's a good probability you could lose. So you just want everything to be rosy when you're winning. Well, you know what? When you're a leader, is when you can go out there and play hard when you when you're losing. So all these front runners, you could have them. You could have them, man. Just you know, give me the ones that shut the hell up. You, you don't ever hear the you don't ever hear the Patriots say shit about shit. Gronkowski may not catch a ball of five weeks. He's just gonna go out and block. Same with all the other guys. Just shut the hell up, win football games, and and proceed. That's it. So it's not easy to you know gather a bunch of dudes that are just that are selfless, but. Uh, that's the type of athlete that Belichick gets. So a lot of these different coaches need to take heed to that. I had another email uh, email here, and it's it's, it's going to be a little harder to explain, but can you explain the difference between power and zone run blocking schemes and what makes certain players able to perform one uh, in one scheme while failing in the other? Well, I'm a great example of... Um, I was never really in... We ran a little bit of zone with with, uh, Sam Weich. Zone is more passive. You know, um, power running is more downhill. Zone is more side to side, uh, more getting position, hat placement, helmet placement. Um, Power is just straight downhill. Running backs running downhill. Zone is side to it's a, it's a side to side movement, a little bit more passive, and you'll see the running back cut up 
um, not cut back. And these are all coaching points that you hear all back back in the day. But long and short of it, power downhill, zone passive sideways. I wasn't a passive guy. I got to come downhill. But a lot of different uh, teams these days run both. Um, but you remember way back when when the Denver Broncos used to run it with Alex Gibbs and uh, as their offensive line coach, they used to run for a whole lot of yards really regardless who the running back was. So they both work as long as they're, they're taught they're taught well. So um, it's off season now. Uh, we're going to be digging up the archives and figuring out some things and how, where we're going as individuals for uh, the Buccaneers and as Buccaneer fans. I'm going to start uh, having some guests on with me and start talking some old school football. And we're even talking about uh, doing some film sessions and stuff like that. So we're going to do some interesting things in the off season to keep things fresh and moving uh, since uh, there'll be no more football to watch. Actually, there is football coming up. One of those leagues are coming up and they're scary. I don't know how good or bad those are going to be, but it's football, so I'll probably end up watching it, and that's just the way it goes. But I appreciate you guys uh, listening in every single week. This has been In the Trenches. Um, football season's over, but not really. There's still a lot to talk about, so everybody have a wonderful week. Uh, get over your hangovers and try to be productive. You have been In the Trenches with Ian Beckles on Radio Influence. This is a Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Talking about the Mohegan Sun Wine and Food Festival that goes on like the last couple of days of January every year. It's an amazing event. They treat the chefs like full-blown rock stars. The guests that are coming in are unbelievable. The amount of food that you guys get to eat and booze and beer and wine is just unmatched. The events that they put on, it's, a, it's, it's literally an experience. And I get to see my friends. Jason Santos is there. Chris Coombs is out there. Robert Siska's up there. Todd English, Bobby Flay, Aron Sanchez, Manit, Alex Garnaschelli, they're all up there. It's a great time. We have a blast. Then I do my demo. This year, I did a New England-style Cipino. Cipino is an, uh, more or less an Italian-American seafood dish, kind of originated in San Francisco. I did mine a little bit different. I did a lobster gnocco frito, which is like a pizza dough almost, a really nice dough. And on the inside, I stuffed it with boars and cheese and fresh mozzarella and some provolone cheese and some fresh herbs and salt and pepper. And I deep fry them in a little bit of duck fat. And the stew itself is just so simple. It's a lobster stock with a little bit of tomatoes in it seafood in there. You just braise it off. I put um, the octopus that I sous vide for a couple hours, sliced it down and threw them in so it still stays a little chunky. It was great. It was an awesome dish. My friend Chaney Barrio hopped up on stage with me. She was my demonstration partner. She hopped up and helped make the gnocco frito with me. It was awesome. I do a little question and answer. You guys know me. This is me. This is my, my personality. I love getting in front of people and talking about food and all the stuff that I'm passionate about. I enjoy that stuff. There's a lot of guys that do what I do. We're traveling. We're always working. You know, we're doing different stuff, different media outlets and whatnot. And it's great for everybody to get together just for that one time and just hang out and have a couple cocktails and laugh. And that's what I enjoy. And that's what I did. And uh, that made me really happy. Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.